Hey guys, it's Edge Martinez. They call me the voice of New York. And 50 years ago, hip hop started right here in New York City. And we're celebrating the five boroughs all year long. Check out nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop for cultural stories, events, interviews, and more. nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Go Long Podcast here. I'm Tyler Dunn. Thank you so much for reading, for listening, however, wherever you consume our content. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, you can catch this Q&A also over at the newsletter, golongtd.com. Just a, a really fascinating conversation with a fascinating tight end, Clay Harbor. He's played for several different teams over nine seasons. There might be a lot of people out there who remember him from The Bachelorette and uh, playing football on that reality show. He actually suffered a wrist injury, believe it or not. So we got into that, but you know, bigger than that. Just a, an unbelievably interesting guy. We really got into his transformation as a tight end and how he put on just a ridiculous amount of weight at Missouri State in college. And those Philly years, he caught Michael Vick right when Vick was released from federal prison and took over at quarterback for the Eagles. He was on that 2010 team. On to Jacksonville, New England, just missed the 28-3 to Super Bowl year uh, with the Patriots, was on that club earlier in the season. And yeah, he's, he's not done yet. He'd love to keep playing as he gets into here. So really hope you enjoy this. Uh, here is Clay Harbor. How's it going, everyone? This is uh, the Go Long Podcast, golongtd.com. Man, thrilled for our guest here, Clay Harbor, pride of Libertyville, Illinois. Do I have that right, Clay? I was born in Libertyville, Illinois, but I'm actually uh, from Dwight, Illinois. So okay. you know, I don't want to you know, get the people of Dwight mad at me, but uh, Dwight <laughs> is my hometown. That's right. You don't want the whole town coming after you. That's, that's smart. Uh, nine years in the NFL. 114 catches, 1170 yards, eight touchdowns. You've seen it all: Eagles, Jags, Patriots, Lions, a, a touch of the XFL. Which my co-host, who's not on here, uh, Jim Monas, is is running the XFL. So maybe uh, we should oh, do wow. a job interview if you want back in. Right? We could we could set that up. <laughs> oh yeah, actually, tell him tell him to give me a call. I'd love to come back in and play again. I'm actually in pretty good shape, and uh, obviously, I think it could be a good you know media raise some. Um, you know, get some different type of fan base out there because obviously you got the old NFL fans, but you might be able to take get some Bachelor fans in there too. You know, Bachelor <laughs> <in> Paradise, XFL. <laughs> so I'd love to go back and play. I think that'd be fun. Last time my time got cut short because as soon as I signed, uh, COVID happened and the, and the season got canceled, so I couldn't play. It couldn't play a game because I signed halfway through the season. Decided it was actually what I wanted to do at the time. So ready to go. I'm ready to go. I love it. Well, we're going to relay the message. They, they had a good thing going, obviously, right? I mean, you were probably hopeful to keep this thing going, and then freaking COVID. It ruined a lot, and then the XFL was one of them. Yeah, yeah. So you have to go through the Team 9 if you come on. So I decided I wanted to play halfway through the season. I go to a tryout. I was surprised at how good I felt and how my body was holding up. And, and the, the coach was like, wow, man, you're like very impressive. You'll be on a team here shortly. No team nine. And then um, I started getting some uh, calls about the sign with the team and then literally COVID happens and 
you know, there it goes. But, uh, you know, everything happens for a reason. So no doubt about it. I mean, uh, where, where does it start for you? I know you went to a small high school, right? And you, you balled out, you get to Missouri state, but like what, when did you kind of realize, all right, this football thing, I, I could really do something with it. Yeah. So in high school, I was more of a basketball player. I was known around the area for basketball. You know, it was something that I, I had looks for for colleges. I was very athletic. I could jump. I was dunking, you know, in eighth grade, summer eighth grade. I'm dunking a basketball. Eighth grade? Um, eighth grade. Eighth grade, I got second place in state in high jump. You know, I could, I could jump and I was tall. I grew early. I was six foot two in eighth grade going in my, you know, I grew one more inch, you know, six three. So it's it's pretty funny how fast my brother same same thing happened to him. We thought he was going to be Shaq. He was so big. He was six foot two, six three in eighth grade. Just never grew another inch. And um, he got a lot of basketball looks, but he's just a little bit shorter. So he decided to go to Missouri State to play football. And he's one year older than me. So when I started getting looks and offers, and I got hurt my senior year of basketball, so a lot of the bigger schools dropped out. You know, I'm gonna play football. I said, I'm just going to go play football with my brother. I think that we were very close back in the day and uh, went there and played, played football with him. And it was a great four years um, of playing together. Yeah. It, it just, uh, it blows my mind how growth spurts can change. I mean, just getting to know Ben Coates a little bit, you know, we remember him as this big behemoth, right? Just ramming yeah. through everybody with the Patriots. He was mm-hmm. like six, two up until his, junior senior year of high school and then you know he another two three inches another 20 30 40 pounds i mean he just kind of blows up i think we kind of remember him as this like viking conquistador maybe maybe he isn't yeah. quite as big as i remember but uh yeah. but you were always a freak of nature though i mean that's at the combine you kind of blew up right I, at four six two 40 inch vert and then you, you had 30 reps at 225 if i have that all right yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's all. I always talk to my buddies about that. They start talking trash. They know my combine numbers better than I do. I go, bro. I had a forty-inch vertical. I jumped over ten feet. I had a four at my com at my pro day. I got down to like a four or five, three or something forty, you know. Um, and uh, thirty reps from the bench press. I've gotten as high in training as like 33, 34 reps at a two twenty-five. So. It, uh, I was always good at that testing stuff, and I came into college as a wide receiver. You know, I had that speed, that athleticism as a wide receiver, and our, our tight ends got hurt my sophomore year of college. We had two tight ends that got hurt, and they go, I'm the biggest wide receiver. Clay, you got to move to tight end. Oh, for me, a backup receiver, a decent receiver at Missouri State. Started playing tight end. I go, wow, this is a lot easier to get open. I'm not running against these cornerbacks. No, I got this linebacker that can, that has no agility. He's not used to guarding wide receivers, tight ends, and maybe a safety to go against. And half the time you're just getting zone coverage. So I noticed that that was a lot easier. And obviously I wasn't great at blocking, had to gain weight. Talking about gaining weight, I came into college at 187 pounds. I left college at 252 pounds at the NFL Combine. So I gained over 60 pounds in, in my five years of college. I did Holy hell. How did you do that? How do you gain that much weight? I once gained 20 pounds of muscle in 20 days. People say it's not possible. I got, you could talk to my brother and my mom. I literally came home the whole break. All I did was work out and eat, work out and eat. If I wasn't working out, I was eating. It was one of the two things. And I hear people say, oh, I just don't got that bill. I can't gain that weight. I, mean, dude, I was a wide receiver. I was a point guard. You know, I was a cornerback. 
I was lanky. You have, if you really want to gain that weight and you really want to do something, it might not be healthy at the time. I've been able to keep it on, but it's possible. I would dip sandwiches in water just so I could digest it. I'd I'd be chewing food. There was no saliva left for me. I'd drink, put water in my mouth just so I could actually digest it and swallow it. Because the NFL scouts told me, you're 220 pounds. You're not going to be looked at as a viable tight end. Okay. All right. We'll see. So I gained 20 pounds in 20 days, a pound a day. Like Joey Chestnut with the hot dogs, right? That's why he does the water. It does not look <laughs> enjoyable. Joey, I was literally Joey Chestnut for an entire, it was a uh, Christmas break. My mom was just making me food and she knew my goal was to, to gain weight so I could play in the NFL and that, you know, I had the whole family and everybody working. I came from a pretty poor family. So like I'm they're they're scrapping money together just to buy me food. So it was, uh, it was actually a fun time, funny time, you know, and my aunts and uncles giving me 10, 15 bucks here just so I could go buy food to eat and try to gain weight. But they're all the biggest fans. They would all carpool down to Missouri from Illinois to, um, you know, to watch the games and stuff. So they were, it was all, it was a pretty, it was pretty fun time. But what are you eating? Like, does does it have to be healthy? Like, can you just literally pound like Whoppers and double quarter pounders and just try to turn that into muscle? Is it, it wasn't that-, that bad, but it definitely wasn't healthy. You know, looking back at it, I thought it was healthy. My mom would cook us like some like some shredded beef, or she'd put some roast in the in the crock pot, and we I eat a bunch of sandwiches. Like, she, my mom would make me sandwiches and. You know, she, she's hilarious. She just loved cooking for us. That was, that was her favorite thing to do. Me and my brother, I mean, anything I wanted, like, mom, can you get us a sandwich? <laughs> At some point though, it's probably not enjoyable to eat that much. Like what's this? Um, I'm picturing that scene in uh, Matilda, that old movie where he's the big, the fat kid's eating the cake and it's yeah. like cake's great. But then when you got to eat a cake, that's about this big at some point, it's not fun. It's not enjoyable. It, it was a job. It was a job. I wasn't doing it because I liked the taste or because it was fun. I was literally eating just to gain weight. And I'm like, okay, how do you gain weight? You got to in good weight. You lift it. I would work out as hard as I could kill myself. I'd do my running. And the rest of the time I was eating, I go, I'm not going to gain weight and get slower. I'm not going to gain. So I was making sure I'm lifting as heavy as I could, as much as I could. I'm running still but I'm just eating, I'm eating, I'm eating. So that was, uh, that was, that's what I did. And I ended up gaining all that weight and went from a skinny wide receiver to a pretty bulky tight end. And that's how I got drafted in the NFL. If I never did that, I never would have got drafted. Because you had those insane numbers too in Indy at the combine, in addition to getting into the two fifties. At being two fifty, if you're two twenty and you're running a, you know, four or five and a, four, six, and then a 40 inch vertical. I mean, it's okay. But like we had a guy that did that. His name was Dorn Dickerson. My year at the combine, he was literally me before I gained the weight. He had those numbers. He ran a four, four, he jumped 40 inches, but was like, Hey, this guy's 220 pounds. How's he going to play tight end? So I literally have a, you know, a person that was very similar to me. And I'm like, that's probably what would have happened to me. And his numbers were very impressive, but I don't even think he got drafted and he didn't last, but like one or two years in the league. I remember from the combine. So that was, uh, that was interesting to see. I mean, you, you were the, the 2010 draft, right? 2010 Rob Gronkowski. Yeah. We had, 
you know, Jermaine Gresham, Jimmy Graham, you know, Aaron Hernandez, uh, Tony Moyaki. We had a good draft. Like we had the most tight ends drafted in like a five to, I don't know what year span it was. We had like 22 tight ends drafted. I was the, obviously like 11th, 10th yeah. or 11th tight end drafted, I think. And I was in the fourth round. Usually you're, you know, you're in the fourth round, you're like the fifth tight end drafted or something. Dennis Pitta. Dennis yeah. It's uh. It, it, that that draft is so fascinating. I'll, I'll throw a tease out there with the blood and guts, the tight end book I wrote comes out in October, but that, that draft, I mean, it, it's wild how Bill Parcell, Sean Payton, um, so many big name coaches were deciding kind of who went where and certain coaches, like certain tight ends. And you're, you're thrown right in the middle of it. You're part of that discussion. Cause you're part of this revolution. I mean, you're, you're probably seeing where the position's going right then, right? I mean, Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates were doing their thing. You know, you've got this athleticism, and, and you've got something to offer at this position that's evolving right before our eyes. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. You know, I'm, I like to like the old-school tight ends that would block, too, because I was always a guy that would mix it up and block, and, you know, I had to do a lot of that stuff. I thought I could have been a really good receiving tight end if I would have got the opportunities to – you know, be that guy, but I never did. And then I had injuries and, you know, I feel like I left a lot of catches and stuff on the field, but I think that I respect, I think the, the position is meant to be a too fast of a position. You got to block. That's why I respect yeah. Gronk so much. You know, I played with Gronk. Gronk is a guy that could block like an offensive tackle, but he also made plays and could, could be a great receiver. You know, so that's, that stuff to me is, is what a real tight end is. A guy that's going to go out there, He's going to be able to run power. He's going to be able to run his own to him, run outside zone to him. And you're also going to be able to throw a pass in the seam. He's going to catch a ball over the middle, take a hit, and you know give his team the first down. He's going to be a red zone threat. A guy like Gronkowski, that's why I like him so much as far as opposed to I – think, I think a lot of guys – like that's why I put Gronk ahead of Travis Kelsey as far as all-time tight ends, guys like that. I think Kelsey is the best receiving tight end I've ever seen. As far as his route running, his hands, just his natural elusiveness. But I think you got to give the edge to Gronk because his blocking just sets him apart. I mean, you have an unpredictability. If you're on the field playing tight end at the Y, I mean, really wherever you are, if you're in the slot, if you're split out, if you're in motion, I mean, if a team has to, if a team knows, all right, this dude might be crack back, crack back blocking here. He might be taken out of D end or he might be going down, down the field. It's psychologically, it, it opens up so many doors where, you know, Kelsey maybe doesn't necessarily do that. I think Gronk's rookie year, your rookie year, God, he like broke Kyle Vandenbosch's neck. Like, he yeah. just cracked backs and just takes him out. You watch the game and it's like an innocuous play. Nobody yeah. really talks about it, but he did that in addition to just doing whatever he wanted to do down the field. Absolutely. If you got a guy that, you know, he's on, he's a Y he's on the right side of the ball. They know Travis, they're not running zone to Travis Kelsey. Or they're not running power. I just don't think he can do it. Like specific guys, you just can't do that too. So you're taking away a big, a big chunk of your possibilities. You know, when you have a guy that can hold up, you know, in line, it really, it really changes things and, and opens up so many things for your offense. And then you get a guy that you can split out, opens up another thing. And that's something Gronk could do too, is, you know, you bring in, you got two good tight ends, you know? So now instead of, running a two tight end set too tight, you're running, you know, two tight ends in the slot. And now you got two linebackers put out in the slot. You want to have a, you want to have a tight end that when they bring him in, that they're, they're bringing in another linebacker. Yeah. They have to bring in a big package. They're not playing him 
with a nickel. Because if you're playing with a nickel, you're getting no, you know, you're getting, there's nothing that you're benefiting from as far as in the passing game. If they can just use a nickel to guard them, then, you know, what's the point in the passing game? At least hopefully he could take advantage of that nickel in the running game, you know, move them. But if you can't, then the point, the whole point, in my opinion, of being a tight end is lost because, you know, the matchup might as well be a, a receiver on a nickel then instead of a tight end on a, on a nickel. So you took pride in doing it all. I, I got to think that's a reason you lasted a decade in the Absolutely. NFL. I did it. I did special teams. I played fullback basically for the Jaguars one year when we had a new style offense. I was in the backfield. I'm running power. I'm running ISO against middle linebackers. I'm doing all the fullback stuff. I'm literally running routes from the backfield. The protections are completely different out there. You know, you got to scan and see. So for me, it was like whatever I need to do, I'm going to do it. I completely put my pride to the side. I think I'm better than these guys. A lot of these guys are like, dude, I'm, I'm running routes with you. I'm watching this, and I know I'm better than this guy. But, hey, I'm going to do my job, and I'm going to stay in this league and, and, you know, take care of my family. 2010, your rookie year, uh, that, that Philly team, man, I mean, as, uh, as somebody who covered the Packers around that time, that Philly oh, team could have won it all. I mean, us, if yeah, Desmond Bishop really doesn't lost. get Deshaun Jackson's ankle, right, that's, that's an Eagles win unbelievable man that literally i remember riley cooper in the end zone michael vick the end of the game we're down at the 20 yard line we're down five we got a jump ball in the end zone and the guy intercepts the intercepts the pass to lose the game and we're all and then packers end up going on to win the super bowl that year i I was unbelievable like they we thought we were just a team of destiny that year obviously you know, you have Mike Vick coming back and, and just showing that he could still play at a high level. He's in the MVP talk. That first game – so our first game of the season were against Packers. Our last game of the season were against the Packers. I, I remember that. I had a holding call the first game, my first ever game, when we LaShawn McCoy scored a touchdown I got called for a holding. I wanted – you talk about wanting to freaking go bury your head in some sand somewhere. The Philly fans – Boo! Get this guy out of here! Boo! Harbor, you suck! I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, yeah. What was it like? I mean, we, we see Mike Vick on TV all the time now, right? I mean, it's been a, it's been a few years since then, but people forget when, when Andy Reid gave him that opportunity out of prison, it was not received well. I mean, there was a lot of backlash, rightfully oh, yeah. so. I mean, the detail of what... You know, happened with bad news kennels. It's, it's disgusting. I mean, as a dog lover myself, how was he kind of received in the locker room? I mean, what was that that transition like where this guy who's in prison for this thing is suddenly in your locker room and then boom, Kevin Cobb gets hurt and he's your starting quarterback? People weren't happy. There'd be people protesting outside of the facility. There'd be, you know, a lot of people writing articles, you know, news people coming in. We had a lot of national news coverage that year. I'll tell you, man, every week there was just a ton of national news people in, in the locker room. Um, Vic in the locker room. I mean, he's a polarizing figure. This guy was, he was a first round draft pick. He got a hundred million dollar contract with the Atlanta Falcons before that was even thought of. This guy was, he, to, to everybody, he was like, there was like an aura about Michael Vic. Like this guy yeah. Well, you know, he's incredible. He like grew up, I was playing him in Madden, you know, it was just like, this guy was special and uh, he was the nicest guy ever to everybody. And then he's our starting quarterback and he's just making plays out there with Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Mack. It was a fun time, you know, Brent Selleck, my counterpart. Um, 
yeah, we had a, it was a good season and there was just an aura. Everybody in the locker room loved him. I mean, I mean, nobody really ever brought up the dog thing and every, you know, this guy did his time in federal prison, you know, people have killed people and, you know, and not had to do that. So it was disgusting. I'm a huge dog lover too, honestly, I think that, but you know, people really forgave him. I did his time. He rehabilitated himself and realized that that wasn't, you know, something that was acceptable or any, you know, rational human should do. But, um, in the locker room, we all looked up to him just because of who he was, what he came from and everything he'd been through to, to come back to that point, just to be this guy that was still passionate and motivated was, was cool. It's not, I don't, I don't know if we're going to see that again, where somebody gets locked up and then they're out and they're signed and they're playing at that level. It's, 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 it's kind of wild that he played that well that season in the MVP conversation after just not only was he away from the game, but he is in federal prison away from the game. He's in federal prison away from the game, not working out, not around football at all for two years, like taking two years to like not do anything like that's tough. And I don't, yeah, I don't think, well, I mean, that's kind of like the, you know, the Cassius Clay thing, obviously not to that extent because Cassius Clay came back and ended up winning the heavyweight championship. And uh, he missed, I think he missed more than a couple of years. I'm not really as caught up on that, but my dad would always talk about it. But uh, a guy like Henry Ruggs, you know, I don't know, maybe he can, if he can do his time and I mean, hopefully rehabilitate himself. I mean, there's, I don't know, there's, that's, that's tough to do, but you know, hopefully um, some of these guys that are in similar situations can, can really um, you know, rehabilitate themselves in their careers. And he had the dream team, right? The next year. Now we'll yeah. see if we can skim past that, right? That <laughs> it's uh that, that there's a lot of talent there, but things didn't work out in Philly. It, you know, ironically enough, your two you know best seasons statistically were in Jacksonville. You weren't winning a lot of games, but what did what did you take from your time with the Jags, and, and how did things kind of come together for you uh, yeah. on the field? Then I became a better player there, and it was unfortunate because. I, I, we were the worst offense in the league both seasons, right? So you have 300 yards with the Jaguars. I mean, that's like having, you know, if you're with a decent offense, like 700 yards somewhere else. Because we're literally the worst offense in the league. You're not getting many opportunities. You know, it's hard. And uh, I loved it there, and I decide, I should have never decided to, late, to leave. I had the same offer from Jacksonville, New England, a couple other places. That's when I decided to sign with the, the Patriots. For those uh, short stints I had with the Patriots. Looking back – I never should have left Jacksonville. I think my career would have been a lot different if I did because I go to New England. I knew they had Gronk. I knew they'd signed Martellus Bennett. I knew that, but in my opinion, I go, I'm better than Martellus Bennett for sure. I'm better than A.J. Derby. They just drafted a fourth-round tight end, another fourth-round guy. Michael Williams, the guy that played for them a lot. My agent's like, hey, like they're going to offer you this decent contract, but like this is deep tight end room. And I'm like, I don't care. In my opinion, I'm, you know, I'm one of the best in the league. You know, and Jacksonville was supposed to, they said they were going to give me a raise. So I let my pride get in the way. They saw for me a decent contract. Like, hey, you guys said you were going to offer me this and you offered me that. Like, yeah, well, we got a little, whatever we think this is good. You play through two years. Okay, can you just give me a one-year deal? No, we need you to sign for two. So basically I made an emotional decision instead of, you know, thinking thinking through logically which would have uh, helped me out instead of going to New England. And I signed with Detroit. Then I'm a free agent. And then I go to the Saints. It's like, you know, you're hopping around a lot. Now people see you as like this journeyman tight end. When I really had the opportunity to sign for another two, three years with Jacksonville, stay there another two. Then I could have signed, you know, again, 
I really like the system. So looking back, I definitely made the wrong decision there. But, uh, you know, I, I took a swing. You know, I wanted to play with Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and I'm getting injured. I was taking the two reps during OTAs, playing better than Martellus. I get hurt. I come back for the last preseason game when they wanted me to stay on pup and just make it through the season, halfway through the season on the physically unable to perform list, which I could have did, but I just wanted to play. And um, they lasted five games with the Patriots, and that year they ended up winning the Super Bowl. So it was right there in front of me. If I don't get hurt, if I play well, you know, then I'll probably uh, probably be on a Super Bowl winning team. I mean, you're watching 28-3 to that season against Atlanta. What's going through your head? Like you could have been, you could have been out there, a part of one of the greatest comebacks ever. Man, it was that was tough because I, you know, I went through all the training camp OTAs with those guys, the season with those guys, and you know, I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, wow, like if I could have just, like I would have been out there with this team, would have won a Super Bowl. It was a very, I was happy for them because I had formed a lot of relationships with those guys, but I was still, it was like a little bittersweet. Because I felt like I should have been out there too. Like you did all the hard work and you didn't get to do the fun stuff, right? I mean, the hard work is camp exactly. and the grind and injuries and BS. And, yeah. and you're doing it in New England, which that culture is a little different, I would imagine, right? With Bill yeah, Bill it's different. Sure. Yeah, it's different culture. And I, yeah, like you said, you do the hard work, the camp, the preseason, you know, the first few games and, um, then to not be able to be with the team in the playoffs and stuff. And I made the playoffs with the Lions. That was fun. But we just we knew we never had a chance to win a Super Bowl. But uh, that one was tough. It was definitely bittersweet. What is it like in New England with Bill? I mean, we, we've talked to Kenny Moore. I mean, there's a lot of players who have come out and said, man, when I was a Patriot, I was depressed. There's They, they sucked the fun out of it. And then there, there there are guys who say, you know, it's – when you win games, that's fun, and people don't get Bill for who he really is. But day in and day out, that that grind is it. Is it that kind of darkness that people hint at? I, I mean, I wasn't there for that long, but I enjoyed it. You know, I was I went from Jacksonville, who was like the most open and like do whatever you want team, to going to New England, and I was, in my opinion, I I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was a challenge, but I always liked challenges. And uh, like the, the conditioning was really hard. And every day, oh, man, we had to go back and do this conditioning. Like, this isn't good. But, I, you know, I like pushing myself. And, and the offense was difficult to learn. And it was all that. But, you know, it was, uh, it was definitely something that kept you on the edge of your seat. And if you're a guy that likes challenges, challenging yourself physically, challenging yourself mentally, you know, it's a mental challenge. You're not, you know, it's it was every day you're up. You have to be up early. You have to be on your stuff. You know, you can't be lat because they're going to let you know, like, hey, like you, if you, you can't have a bad day here, this is a different type of place. you got to be on your stuff. And it just led to a, a lot of accountability and it builds your confidence. If you can last in this place and succeed, then, you know, you could probably do anything. It's an attrition where, you know, they can pull it off because they've got the rings. They've got they've won it where those coaches go somewhere else. You could, you, know, you don't have that clout. It'd be tougher maybe to get players to buy in when we see it time and time again, right? Matt, Patricia, so many assistants. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, hey, I, I know you got to run here in a, in a minute. Just uh, to, to fast forward, um, so a lot of people remember you, obviously, from The Bachelorette, and you, you had a football experience there, right? I'm sorry to bring that up. but right. Oh, you had to go there, huh? No, uh, no <laughs> we don't have to. We don't have, <laughs> no, that's, that's I didn't even know until th- three seconds ago. So, you know, not everybody knows. 
Yeah, so I, I, I went to the Bachelorette, right, and I played football in the Bachelorette, and I actually, actually broke my wrist playing football in the Bachelorette, which is insane. Because I've, I've had this long football career. I've played against all these guys. And what people don't know about that moment, the Bachelor fans, is that the year before in the New Orleans Saints, I ended up breaking my wrist, right? Ah. And I tore a bunch of ligaments, and I thought I was – the doctors had released me to, like, perform and play and stuff. And I didn't think I was going to be playing any sports on this reality TV show. I thought I was there for dating. I've seen guys that have like Jesse Palmer went on and then went on to broadcasting. Yeah. I thought, Hey, maybe this could lead to something cool like that. You know, a broadcasting job, you know, Jordan Rogers does that something cool like that. Who knows? You know, I'll take this opportunity. My career is probably winding down and they had me playing football and hockey pads with these guys. And I'm like, I'm not going to play. So at the end of the game, we're like tied. And I'm like, okay, let me go like score a touchdown here against these guys. So I go, and the first time I use a stiff arm, my wrist just pops. I go, the shit was never healed. Excuse me, oh. my language. But, yeah, I'm like, this stuff was never healed. And literally broke my wrist, ligaments, everything, and had to get another surgery. That's brutal. Because then you're – I mean, you got schmucks like me. Everybody's probably bringing it up, right? Because it's – everybody's watching at home on TV. Yeah. But uh, and that, that, that experience kind of raised your profile in a way that maybe, you know, who, who knows? Like, it kinda, I mean, looking back – I there's not I don't have many regrets in life, but you know that show is probably a regret. I'll be honest. Oh, but okay. It was a fun experience. I met a lot of cool people. I got a lot of friends from it. But as far as career wise, football wise, like I think I could have played a few more years had I not went on the show. You know, at least oh. two or three more years. And if you look at it monetarily, I would have one year of NFL football. You know, as a veteran minimum at that point is a million bucks. You know, so it's tough to you know pass that up when you're out the league saying, Hey, I would have had another million bucks. And then saying, um, you know, you obviously your contribute contributions to your 401k, your annuities, you know, all that stuff This monetarily it, you know, wouldn't have made sense if I would have known that I got hurt and wouldn't play another year in the league afterwards wouldn't have made sense. And then I ended up going to this, I ended up getting workouts. You know, I had a couple workouts lined up after, um, after the bachelorette, I work hard to get my wrist back in shape. And then um, I end up running in. It's a freak accident happens where I'm training in New York City because the best wrist rehabilitation centers in New York City. There's no fields. So it was like a, like a arena football fields, but with concrete around them. I end up running into a wall trying to run routes out there. My trainer kind of led me astray there, whatever. And, and I couldn't move, couldn't walk, couldn't run. Finally, I'm starting to loosen up. I'm, it's starting to heal up. It's starting to heal up. And finally, I'm like, okay, I think I'm ready to go. My agent's like, do you really want to go to this workout? It was the Buffalo Bills. And I thought that was a perfect team for me. Brian Dable was my old tight end coach with New England. Loved the guy. You know, we still kept in touch. He's like, if you're healthy and in shape, we're going to sign you. So um, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm already, in my, in my eyes, I'm as good as signed. I'm like, I just got to get through this workout, make sure that I, you know, I don't injure this thing again halfway through the workout because my side's so locked up from this, I tear my groin. I'm out for six months and uh, that's how my career ended. And that, what year would that have been? That would have been 2018. So you could have been, I mean, I lived here in Buffalo. You yeah, it would have been, been with the Bills in 2018. There was, I mean, there was the, they had Charles Clay, Clay Harbor and Charles Clay. Funny, right? Yeah. But, I mean, it would have been a perfect spot. I mean, 19 me is when things start turning around with Josh Allen. Uh, yeah, so I could have been, you know, I could have played at least, in my opinion, you know, my Bob was having injuries here or there, but I'm like, I had two, three years left in me at least. 
And um, the time off has really helped my body. That's why I went to the XFL. I'm like, yo, like I feel good this time off instead of like playing and stuff. I feel much better. I'm quick. And now you're going to, you're going to talk to your buddy and you're going to yeah. get me um, back on the XFL roster. So we're Absolutely. good there. Well, we'll get, we'll get Doug Whaley on here too. Doug Whaley, Jim Monas, we'll get, bring out Mark Ross. They're all running the XFL. So yeah. we'll, uh, no, give them a, give them a, you know, tell them a, Tell them I'm ready to go and, and, and put a little uh, bird in their ear. Tell them, you know, hey, you got a tight end here. It'll bring a lot of uh, a lot of new fans to the game. That's right. That's right. Well, I mean, I think if you're building a league, the stories matter. Like that, you could almost do a, I don't know, a bachelor, bachelorette type of uh, audition. They could do they could do something cool with the XFL. Did somebody get a roster spot? I don't know. Have fun with it. Yeah, we could, we could definitely have fun. And I think that's, you know, that's half of it now. You know, I want to have fun and I still love playing football. I'm actually in, you know, still in pretty good shape. I thought about going to play in a, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this league called the Fan Controlled Football League. Yeah. Terrell, yeah. Terrell Owens played in it this year, Johnny Manziel. They were trying to get me to uh, to come and play that pretty hard this season. And I was, I was close to going and saying, Hey, I'm just going to go and play and have fun. Like, we'll put you on a team with T.O. and Johnny. I think it'll be a fun thing. I'm like, that will be fun. You know, I still feel like I can play a little bit. I've went and ran routes with some friends and trained with my buddy. Uh, we just signed with the 49ers names, Troy Fumagalli in yeah. Chicago. And um, I, we were running and I was putting him through a lot of tight end drills and I'm running routes with him. And I'm just like, damn, man, I feel good. I, feel, I know I'm 35, but I mean, hey, I feel good. So you, right now, I know you're doing some sports media stuff too, right? I mean, just following you on Twitter. What What's your day-to-day like? Yeah, so I, I do a lot of uh, sports media stuff. I just uh, signed with a company. Ja- I don't know if you're familiar with Jack of Media. It's a Philadelphia-based uh, company radio show, Derek Gunn. Um, they got a lot of uh, Philadelphia writers and in, in and I don't think it's even been announced yet, but the announcement is coming. But I, I just signed on with them to do a full nice. full season of Philadelphia Eagle football with uh, Mike K is going to be my partner. He's a yeah. national um, writer as well. So me and Mike K have our own uh, radio time slot and podcast that we're, we're just starting up in the sports media field. And it's something I enjoy. Besides that, I do speaking events, motivational speaking. I'm going to speak at my old college here in um, uh, three weeks and um Next week, I'm going to the Illinois Principal Association. I basically tell my story, how I came from underprivileged to become an NFL player and to become successful. And, uh, yeah, right now, that's pretty much uh, what I do. Good for you, man. Well, we'll have to have you back on then. We'll get, uh, get into that story a little bit. And it's, I imagine you're changing lives with it. It's, yeah, it's really, uh, it's really a passion of mine. I really enjoy it because you're talking to these kids that didn't know that someone from their socioeconomic status could reach a specific you know, specific goal they had in mind. Like for me, I'm like, you know, my parents were never married. I grew up in a trailer with 12 kids. I didn't have a bed until I went to college, you know, all this stuff and just talk about my experience. And then the people that I've, I've been able to be around, you know, guys like Tom Brady, how I've watched him, looked at him, taken pieces of what he does, why he's so good at what he does. Uh, Organizations like the Patriots and you just build, you, you find all these things and you take, you know, you just see all these things, you put them together and you really get a good, a good view of why people are successful and what it takes to be successful in different industries. And, um, you know, that's what I, what I speak about, you know, 12 kids to, in a trailer. Yeah. Yeah. 12, uh, 12 people, not 12 kids. It was oh, my, people. And my whole family, but yeah, there was a lot of us in the trailer. Me, my mom, my brother, uh, shared one bed. So yeah. 
I mean, how did you, I mean, could sum it up. How did you get from that point to, to, to here? Like what, what is that thing that was in, deep inside of you that drove you to this point? What, what took me from, it's a, it's a mental thing, but it comes down to routines, habits, and discipline. And I'd say just, you're not going to change your life in one transcendent moment, right? You change your life when you change something you do daily. And me realizing that habitually I had to change things coming in college. I was going to fail out of college, you know, and then coming home, realizing I had to have better habits. I had to change my habits instead of coming home and playing Xbox. You have to do something that I can't do this anymore. I'd unplug my Xbox. I would disconnect my TV. So I'd make it harder for me to play. If I wanted to play Xbox, when I get home from practice, now I'm gonna have to do all these things to connect it. Now I'm going to study, you know, now things like that in the, in the, in the, um, in the, in the, in the training room, in the, in the weight room, you know, I would be a guy that would cut out of workouts a little bit early. Okay. I got to change this habit. Now I'm not going to let myself skip this set. I got to get this number of reps per week of each workout at this numbers and just really habitually changing my life and my day to day. And then it just consistently, you stack, you stack, you stack, and it's discipline. It's simple. It's not easy. And then eventually you just see the gains. I'd see myself going from this guy that was redshirted, backup, wide receiver, to now three-time All-American, just because you got to do it every day. And that's how I was able to become that guy in school. You know, I just got accepted to Kelly School of Business as well, and it's a complete remote um, – it's a remote program, but I'm working towards getting my MBA. And it's, it's hard. I've already looked at the class list. You know, school starting this fall in a month and a half. But I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's going to be tough, but – you know, as long as I keep have a good routine, you know, if I keep discipline and, you know, make sure my habits are there. I know I'll, I'll graduate with my MBA in, in a couple of years. Sounds like atomic habits, man. You're, you're, you're yeah. the walking embodiment of that book. <laughs> Absolutely. Atomic habits is a great book. I love that read. I mean, yeah. seven habits, an old book, seven habits of highly effective people, but still yeah. a great read. There's a lot of good reads out there as far as habits are concerned, but Literally, people ask me, like, okay, what's the secret? You know, you came from this position. So your day-to-day. It's your habits. You know, it's your diet. You're not going to lose 10 pounds in a day. I mean, I know I gained 20 pounds a day, but you, you're going to have to habitually change the things you do. You're going to have to get in the, way, in the gym. You're going to have to do cardio every day. My mom's lost 50 pounds in the last three months just because now she's walking every day and I have her eating right and she's intermittent fasting. I'm going to do a big social media post about her in, um, in an upcoming week or so. Just for her, man. how proud I am of her finally listening to me and just doing things and knowing that it takes discipline. It's, it's really impressive. I mean, we're so into instant gratification. Our, our generation where it's, we're living on social media. We want quick fixes. We want things to happen right this second. It's, Things haven't changed over hundreds and hundreds of years. It's about putting in the work, anything in life, right? It's just, you've got to put in the work. You need a motor you got if you want you got change. To. It's like the atomic habits when he says, you know, you got to get 1% better every day. I mean, to me, that's, I mean, that's huge. Just if you get 1% better every day, you know, you're going to be 37% better by the time, you know, by the end of the year, just get 1% better every day, a little bit better read a little bit more, do a little bit more cardio. And it's just a consistency diet, weight room, you know, reading. If you're going through this, you know, MBA program, you know, it's, you're not going to, you see this whole, this whole course you got to do. Oh my gosh. How do you eat an elephant? You eat an elephant a bite at a time. 
Yeah. You know, you got to do it a bite at a time. You know, it's, it's just something that you got to keep chipping away. Same thing in social media and every, in anything, you know, if, if, you know, you want to become a, a, whatever, you got to stay consistent, stay consistent, stay consistent. Then you're just going to keep growing. It's just in any aspect of life that I've seen, it's always that consistency and that discipline. And that's how you go from impoverished 12 people in a trailer, not knowing what the future holds to yeah. decade in the NFL, taking on MBAs, yeah. you know, do, doing a little bit of everything. So yeah. absolutely. Clay, you're the man. Great getting to know you here. Thanks so much for, uh, for taking a few and Clay Harbs 82 on Twitter, right? Clay Harbs 82 on Twitter. I appreciate you having me on. We're going to have to do it again sometime. And uh, no, man, let me know whenever you want to get back. We'll talk some ball during the season, training camp or something. And then um, obviously I'll, I'll see you during the, um, during the XFL season two. That's right. Oh, exactly. We're getting you in the XFL. <laughs> and I saw you floating out there. The Rob Gronkowski, you just hung out with him a month ago. He's not retired, right? You don't think he's done. So when you're ready to break that news, let us know too. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, I was pretty wrong there. But, uh, you know, Gronk was, was in town. I was able to catch up with him. That was great. But uh, literally, I'm like talking, like, what do you think? He's like, oh, you know, I feel good. And the next thing you know, he's retired. I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like, come on, Gronk. No, I, I think you trust your intuition there. I think he's yeah. coming back. <laughs> yeah, he's coming back, I think. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much, Clay. Great to see you, man. Yeah, appreciate you having me.